When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ah, yes, a big football Friday here on January 12, 2024. Michael, Don, and Peter with you, leading you into the weekend from 3 to 6.30. Hope you've had a great day so far. We've got a lot of stuff to do. First of all, an absolutely atrocious performance by the Knicks over three quarters. This is what I meant, Don, about stubbing your toe. Boy, they stubbed their toe yesterday. They made a spirited comeback, pulled to within one after being down by more than 20 in the fourth quarter. But uh, they couldn't pull down a rebound um, that would have given them a chance to go ahead. And then Dallas pulled away. That was That's not a pretty game. They'd won five in a row. You're not going to win every single one. But without Luka and without the other guys that were injured as well, they, they should have... They should have been more competitive. I think they came out sloppy. They came out uh, lethargic. They came out looking a little bit tired. Uh, the Mavericks had a good defensive plan. They doubled up on Julius. And, you know, Brunson, although he scored 30 points, didn't really have much going on till later. And uh, Kyrie Irving, he loves beating the Knicks, so he beats he them does, again. Does. And um, that's a tough loss for the Knicks now. Tomorrow they'll play Washington, see if they could get back on the winning ways. But they were sloppy yesterday. That's a little bit of a disappointing performance. Well, especially considering Don and I, uh, we basically gave them 55, 60 wins last night. Yep. And they they re- really made us look terrible. And like, uh, Can you imagine if Kyrie Irving was 75% of the man against that he is against the Knicks when he played in Brooklyn? I mean, he, he, last night that was the guy. That was unstoppable from the second the game started. You just knew. Michael, within two minutes of that game, you knew it's going to be one of those Kyrie nights. And the funny part is, he always plays like that. When he's on the court, I mean, he's unbelievable. I've always said that. I love watching him play. He's amazing. He's on a different level than other people. But, you know, when he gets into his Aaron Rodgers act, that's when he really, uh, you know, he brings you down. But, uh, boy, can he play. He's something else. He Don, really they is. lost me in that game like three times. I, I would I would tune out. They kept drawing me back in. I kept thinking the game's over. Then they cut it to 12. I, yeah. The game's over. And then they pull it back. It, it was a really wacky oh. game from the Knicks. Well, I was doing the Ranger post game, and I kept checking in. What are the Knicks doing? What are the Knicks doing? Oh, they're down 18. Oh, they're down 14. You know, it's over. And then all of a sudden, well, they're down five. And I just finished the post game, so I flipped it on to watch the end of the game in time to see the DiVincenzo three to cut it to one and then on the Mavericks ensuing possession God Hardaway Jr. couldn't hit a shot so badly that the rebound was just up for grabs what was it, it felt like three four times they could have gotten the ball on the chance I think to it win was three and they just couldn't land it and then he nails the three to make it a four-point game and it was pretty much it was like 28 seconds but you know, it became a two-possession game and kind of changed everything but you know so what do you look at it the way they played for three quarters or the fact that they actually you know, got within one with and one rebound away, one possession away from maybe winning the game. Well, well you have to look at their resiliency and their toughness, but you can't you can't come out like that on the road. You just can't. Well, it's let me, awful, Michael. Look, you know what's worse on the road than that? What, what's that? Uh, being the Celtics and being down seventy five thirty eight at halftime against the Bucks. So it's this not what is you a, want. No, it's it's not what you want. This is a strange league, and it, it's something that sort of evolved over time. That you, I, I guess, Michael. Maybe if, to some degree, it's just a different philosophy. Certainly, we see it with the the resting of players and stuff. But there are just nights, right. guys, where otherwise good teams literally appear to just take the night off. And well, last night was one of those nights. And also, that that Celtic game was so bad, guys. TNT switched to the Nick game. They never do that. They just they just they said, no, this isn't good. And not and it's not the example, guys, of a good team. But my God, what happened to the Trailblazers last night? 
They're your favorite team, right? They lost by 62 points. They were down 62 going to the fourth. Well, at least they played it even in the fourth. 139 to 77. The Dear the God. middle the, the middle quarters of that game. Let me do some quick math for you, Dom. Yeah. The middle quarters of that Blazer Thunder game. They lost 82 to 32. Mm. It's That's a it's 50 a weird points. That's 50 points to you and me. It is a strange league in in that regard. But I'll tell you what, we haven't spent a ton of time talking about DiVincenzo. He's he's a player, guys. No, every every signing they've made has pretty been has pretty much been spot on. You know, getting Hart, signing DiVincenzo, obviously the trade for OG. It's all worked out. They've got a pretty good idea of what they're building. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We didn't want to give that short shrift, uh, and we are going to talk a lot about football today. But let's let's talk about the Yankees um, signing a two year deal with Marcus Stroman. So there's a lot of layers to this. The fact that Marcus Stroman opted out of the last year of his contract with the Cubs, where he was going to make $21 million, right? Mm-hmm. Now he signs a two-year deal with the Yankees, where he's making $18.5 million a year. So you can say, well, the Yankees got a pitcher with a 3.65 lifetime ERA, and they got him at a very reasonable price. But you have to ask yourself, well, why? The Cubs didn't want him back. The Mets couldn't get rid of him soon enough. The Blue Jays, who know him, didn't want him. Now, they've got pretty good pitching, so they wouldn't have wanted to. In, in, a, in a sport where people are absolutely desperate for pitching, where Frankie Montas, who literally pitched an inning and a third last year, he got $16 million from the Reds. Marcus Stroman signs at the Yankees for $18.5 million. Here's what it comes down to, and I thought it was, it was completely... Um, capsulized, be- encapsulized beautifully by, by Joel Sherman in the post. It's two desperate people getting together. There was no place else for Marcus Stroman to go. I think he did want to play for the Yankees. The Yankees, they supposedly, I mean, it's out there right now, I haven't been able to confirm it, offered you know, Blake Snell $150 million for five years, and he wanted another year, he wanted more money. Yankees said no. Uh, it seems like Jordan Montgomery doesn't want to play for them. Um, and it would take too much to get uh, Corbin Burns or uh, Lazardo or Cease in any kind of deal. They desperately need starting pitching, so they decided to hold their nose and go and sign a guy who has completely obliterated them on social media, who has scrubbed his social media when all of a sudden this little dalliance with the Yankees came about, and boom, here you are, and we'll see. Now, let's look at the pitcher. 3.65 lifetime ERA in this day and age in baseball is very good. But he is um, he was 16 and 16 with the Cubs. He was 14 and 15 with the Mets. He was an all-star last year after a great first half. Um, then he pitched poorly. Then he was out with a rib cage injury, came back, and he pitched even worse. Um, he cannot and has not pitched over 140 innings in a couple of years. So this contract also has an option year. That in 2025, the second year of the deal, if he in fact pitches over 140 innings, then another year gets added on if he decides to do it, if he pitches over 140 innings. Imagine that. So a team that has battled injuries over and over and over again has signed a guy who gets injured. 140 innings is kind of like the tops for him. Now to tell you how desperate the Yankees were, everybody, he's the second pitcher on the staff. You got Garrett Cole and you have him. You have Garrett Cole and him. Yankee fan base, from what I could tell, not happy with this. He is warred with them on Twitter. Now, I'm going to give him a little bit of a break when it comes to him going to Brian Cashman. A little bit of a break. Brian Cashman said something nasty about him first. And then he said, okay, you're going to come at me? I'm going to continue to go at you. And he did. But he gets into wars with fans. He's very, very sensitive. It's going to be very interesting to see how he handles the spotlight of being a New York Yankee. It's different than being a Met. And I I, I don't know if this is going to end well. I think think it's a signing of desperation, and let's see how it works out. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you still – so you still agree. You're where you you were at yesterday, that it's it's a signing of desperation. And to me, where I was going with, and I'm curious how you feel about it, it, it's – 
it's just sort of one of those moves that doesn't feel Yankee-ish to me, Michael. It, it seems like they are getting to a little bit of a space of compromise. Of like, we have to figure out how to do something different. We don't know how to exactly. And they made a big move. As you said yesterday or two days ago, they thought they'd have a shot at Yamamoto. They didn't. Ended up a complete swing and a miss. So now it feels a little bit, as you said, desperate. Which I guess to me what I'm saying is just doesn't feel Yankee-like to feel desperate. Well, I mean, the problem is, though, Peter, I mean, you can't bring people that you don't think are like going to fit into the Yankee structure, right? And expect them to do it. They 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 expected Josh Donaldson to play nice and be this great guy, and he didn't fit. And most of all, he didn't play well. So I mean, you Monty. can't fit square pegs into round holes. So listen, Stroman is a good pitcher when he's healthy. He's thirty-two years old. Uh, his velocity's gone down a little bit. He has a high uh, hard hit contact rate, but the the contact rate is on the ground which is good for Yankee Stadium, but he has bad numbers lifetime at Yankee Stadium. They desperately needed starting pitching, and they do not want, and I don't blame them for wanting not wanting to give Snell more than that. And if Montgomery doesn't want to come here because his nose is out of joint because they traded him, well, well, let's look at it this way. The Yankees didn't think that Montgomery would be in the postseason rotation. That's why they traded him to get Bader. Bader actually won them the series against Cleveland, got them to the American League Championship Series, but then was hurt last year, and they ended up trading him to the Reds. But Marcus Stroman, five years ago, Brian came out and said he he, 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 he wouldn't be a, a significant upgrade for us. He'd be pitching out of the bull. That was five years ago when he was 27. Now he's 32. So the, the, the price for Cease is too high in terms of players. The price for Burns is too high, although Milwaukee might not even try to trade him. It seems like uh, Cleveland doesn't want to trade Bieber because they think they could win the Central. And then you're bidding against everybody for Snell, and you're bidding against everybody for Montgomery, and maybe you're bidding against Montgomery getting his nose out of joint. So you've got to have pitching, and they traded yeah. away all their depth to get Soto, and they're kind of between a rock and a hard place. Believe me, in a perfect world, they are not uniting with Marcus Stroman. I'm sorry. They're not. No, but, but, but the money's right. Yes. Uh, he can pitch. Uh, he's a gold-glove fielder. There's a lot of things he brings to the table. And Michael, if you look at his numbers in the postseason, now granted, he has not pitched in the postseason since 16. But he's gone six or beyond in every one of his five postseason starts including a clincher against uh, Texas back in 2015 when he was with Toronto. We're talking seven innings, six innings, six and a third, six innings, five and a third. So he's giving you length in the postseason. He's a New Yorker. He's not going to wilt under the pressure of New York. He's got a bit of a complex where I don't know whether it's because of his size or, or what it is, but he is very sensitive to criticism. He's very defensive. He's very defensive about his team. And that's the place it comes from. It comes from a place of competitiveness, proving people wrong, and maybe that's what the Yankees are buying into. Here's a kid that always wanted to pitch for the Yankees. His problem with the Yankee fan base and the Yankees was that the Yankees didn't want him, so he wants to be here. He's a New York kid who pitches well, and it's I think the onus is on the Yankees to make this work to tell him, listen, we're cool with what you did, and the fan base will be cool with what you did if you go out there and you pitch well. But you're going to have to kind of control yourself on social media because you're a Yankee now, and we're not going to tolerate that kind of behavior. And one of the reasons you're only signed for $18 million is because a lot of the teams don't know how to control you. We think we can. So you're where you belong. You're back home. you got a chance to win a championship, and we're not going to tolerate any kind of behavior. And if they can control it, I think this is a really good signing. Well... You know, to get a pitcher with a 3.65 lifetime ERA for $18 million in this market is good. Mm-hmm. But then, again, I know what Don's saying. You have to ask yourself, well, why is he available for that price? Because every other team is scared off by all the other nonsense. Now, for those that don't know and might be new to the show, there there's an issue between me and Marcus. So, I, I, I've always been a fan of Marcus's pitching. And at one point on the show... I criticized his use and his battles on uh, on social media. Uh, I essentially said that doesn't help you win, and it does. It, it, he's he's punching down. He doesn't need to do that. So people on social media can't wait to tell the person that I'm saying it about that I'm saying it. Maybe he's not listening to the show, and he goes out 
and he finds, I guess he Googled me, and he found some fan out there who essentially said that I was a racist because at the time I'd been doing the show 21 years and I'd never had a black co-host. And I always joke about this. I don't hire the people I work with. I work for people who hire the people I work with. Well, the guy I, for, who I've done the show with the enti- my entire time here, I didn't even know Don. And they hooked us together. I didn't go out and seek Peter. I didn't know Peter existed before he joined far. the show. I didn't. I, know, I don't, I, I don't I, listen to hip-hop stations. Oh, boy, I know. I hear you. But still. So, I mean, I have nothing to do with... And the fact that he did that, that he so could so cavalierly... Somebody he's never met... And then he retweeted that tweet that that guy had out there that I'm a racist. I, I don't know if you get out from, you know, somebody said to me, well, how are you going to deal? I don't have to deal with him. I have to announce him fairly. He does well, I'll say he does well. He does poorly, I'll say he does poorly. But unless he comes up to me and says, listen, I was wrong. I, I've, got, I've got no, I've got no um, situation where I have to sit down and talk to him. I didn't do anything wrong. I said he shouldn't be using social media that much. And I'm sure the Yankees have said that as well when they had to sit, uh, to sit down with him. But to, to, to accuse somebody of that, something so repulsive, that somebody could be a racist, and he'd never met me, never had a conversation with me, that really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. He's a Yankee now. When he takes them out, I've got to announce the games. Doesn't mean that they're really a relationship with him. But that's, that's one of the reasons that a guy that is this level of pitcher got $18 million a year when... Yamamoto has never thrown one pitch in the big leagues, is making 30, about $30 million a year. Where Jordan Montgomery is going to make 27, 28 million. Where Blake Snell is going to make over $30 million a year. Marcus Stroman got 18 million, not because of his talent, because he's pretty damn talented. Every other team is scared off by that. Right. And, And you would think Marcus is smart enough to realize when they sit him down and say, Did you see how much money you cost yourself? Because look at the pitchers that have numbers that aren't nearly as good as yours, making way more money than you. You're going to have to stop this. You're back where you belong. You're home. You're with the team you grew up rooting for, supposedly. You wanted to be a Yankee so bad. We're going to put a stop to this. You know, and and we'll see if he agrees. I mean, I, I, they can't tell him not to be on social media. But all you have to do is present the facts. It's it's done. I say this as someone who has tons of problems with social media and also cannot get off of it, right? So, so for me, I, I relate to this. Now, I listen, I don't get myself in the places, knock on wood, that, that Stroman does, but I understand. But that being said, someone writes you a check for $18.5 million to do your dream job. Can't you just think, I don't need this? For the, for the whatever it's going to be, guys, six months, two years, Maybe it's amazing. It's four years. Whatever it is that he ends up being a Yankee, don't you think it would be worthwhile to just say, I am just signing out of X and moving on? I'm going to play baseball. I'm going to do my job. I'm going I'm to see the fans at the ballpark. I'll meet the people that I meet. I'm not going to read it. Because if he does that, if he just completely left this part of it alone, guys, I, I don't think he'd have a problem here. Th- think about the guys on the Yankees. Big, big stars, right? Judge, Cole. Have you ever seen Cole have post anything of any contrary? His wife posts pictures of, of him playing catch with his son. Right. Judge posts stuff about his charity. Who, who on the Yankees is using social media as a provocative form of communication? You're a Yankee. You don't need that. And I'm sure you, supposedly he had a sit down with Brian Cashman. And again, of all the things that he did, going after Brian Cashman, to me, you can almost say it's warranted. Brian Cashman said something nasty about him. So he said something nasty right. about well, Brian Cashman. But again, he's the type that if you say anything about him that he doesn't like. Right. And, and I also appreciate that. But to make up something, I can only talk about me, to make up something about me when he hadn't met me, something so libelous as if to like, and, and he could say, well, I didn't tweet. I just, I just. Um, oh, the old Kyrie defense. Sorry, well, babe. You retweet something. But, it's, it's, a, it's confirmation that right, you agree with that. He, he's a, but he's probably a modern day Jordan in the fact that he uses all of this as fuel. You know, this is a kid that was drafted in the 18th round by the Washington Nationals. And he made it to the bigs. He's 5'7", guys. How many pitchers are 5'7"? Mm-hmm. So he has overcome tremendous odds. He's probably been told his whole life that he can't do what he's doing. Mm. So any time, so he keeps score. 
of all the people that tell him he stinks, all the people that tell him he can't do something, his problem is instead of using it as fuel and not making it public, he wants to go back at you or he's going to block you or he's going to do something to let you know he doesn't like you and he doesn't like the negativity. But you can't say it hasn't worked for him in the sense that if he's using it as fuel, he's overcome the odds to become a really good pitcher well, in this league. He just has to learn to balance it out, and I think the Yankees will help him do that. That's that's one way to look at it. it you know, he, he's he's a big league pitcher for a long time. He also took a lot less money than his numbers would warrant. That that's it. That's what was out there. Thirty seven million dollars for two years. This guy's a twenty five million dollar pitcher in terms of talent. Right. So, so wouldn't that be enough? Hey, this is what it cost you. So let's let's tone it down. You're you're here. You wanted to be a Yankee. You're a Yankee. The guy that ripped him, Brian Cashman, signed him. So that should be all forgiven now. And then, and you got to get out in front of it because I'm sure he's going to have a bad outing or maybe get off to a slow start. And he'll hear it. He'll hear it from the fans at the ballpark. He'll hear it on social media. That just comes with it. You know what we should do? We should get him for a weekly. That wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome. Now another thing with him. He's a real performer on the mound. So there's a video that's out there. You know, when, when, when Juan Soto takes a pitch, he, he does this almost like electric slide with his feet. Mm-hmm. And Stroman struck him out last year with the Cubs. And he does that same thing that, that Soto did while he was walking back to the dugout. Like he's doing the. That's going to rub people the wrong way. It's going to put Yankees in danger as well. You could say, well, let the kids play. I'm all for it. Tell the kids that. Because other players don't like that nonsense. And a lot of Yankees did it. The Jabba Chamberlain did it. A lot of Yankees do it. Uh, Nestor Cortez does it every now and then. But for the most part, a lot of Yankees don't do it. You don't see Garrett Cole do it. So is that going to change? I don't think that's going to change because that's how he fuels himself. No, that's how he fuels himself. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a strange bird. He, he really is. And I, he's I a different bird. Let's put he, it that way. Well, but, you know, it's, it's different for sure. But, but, but what, he, what he did to you was wrong. Now maybe his maybe his attitude would be I didn't read the article I just saw something negative and put it out there I don't know but he's got to learn that it, it, you get into these situations it's not good for you it's costing you money it's not going to be good for the Yankees because you're right Michael Cubs are a big team Mets are a big team Blue, Blue Jays, Jays are a big team but they're not the Yankees and they're not going to have the attention and you're going to go in to a season with the New York Yankees, where it's win or bust because of the Soto situation, and unless they sign somebody else, he is their second starter. It's Cole and Stroman. If they get into the playoffs, game one is Cole, game two is Stroman. It's amazing. I mean, it's the level in which it's going to be expected of him. And I just – this is on the Yankees as much as is it on him. You know, uh, not that they control players with the Yankees, but they've shown better than any other organization – that they can get players to follow their code. This is a 3.45 a.m. in the bar signing. This is, this is the version You're looking around of, the bar, see what's left. This is sports beer goggles. Yeah. Now, but, but, but to your point, though, it sounds like what you're saying, though, is, is that without all the extra stuff that's made Stroman controversial... It, it, it wouldn't be like talent wise. It, yeah. Should it be a three forty five signing? And no, if, and if, but but I'm sorry, you know the other stuff counts. But especially with the Yankees. But think about this guy. No, but obviously Peter for other teams. Where but, were the other yeah. offers? But, yeah. but you know what, what did Steve Young always used to tell us about how you, you good teams police themselves, right? Like good organizations say it's not going to be a problem because we're not going to allow this to happen. Like the Yankees probably have enough of a resume to say that we believe that players will fall in line if they come here. We're the one organization where we make you shave if you come here. We don't have names on the back. We don't. There's certain things we don't tolerate here, and because of their winning and because of their popularity, they're the one organization that can get away with it. Maybe it's a sense of arrogance, but aren't they the one team that can look at it and go, I don't think this is going to be a problem with us? Well, you know what? Well, first of all, Juan Soto on Instagram, you know, MLB Network put out the Stroh versus Soto shuffle. And Soto commented and said, we shuffle together now. So that puts that to bed. Now, obviously, I have not met this signing with, um, with joy or exclamation points on how good it is. And, and there's a good chance. I mean, this is the way the world works. I'm not lying here that I can get a call from the Yankees. You know, what are you doing? And I'm going to say, you know what I'm doing? Guy called me racist. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I don't, I don't particularly like that. 
I've been called a lot of things, and I am a lot of things. One thing I'm not, I ain't a racist. Sorry. And for somebody to even insinuate that by retweeting some brain-dead person on Twitter, I, 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 it's hard for me to accept. Well, and if, and if I recall, it was like pandemic-ish. You're talking like 2020, 2021, uh, a time when like a, there was a lot going on, a lot of things being thrown around about different people. And to just randomly cavalierly do that to someone who you just know he didn't know anything about. You know what I mean? It, it, it was it was whack. There's there's no way around it. Uh, we want to send birthday wishes out to... I would say he's one of the top five listeners that we have. He's Go Ryan ahead. Francis Neary. Yes. Oh, yeah. Great guy. 51 years old on Sunday. We're not doing a show on Sunday. So he and his wife watch the show every single day. And so we want to send out some love and birthday wishes and have a wonderful, wonderful birthday yes, to Brian. Uh, I, I, Brian, I tried to get us to do the show on Sunday. Michael and Don were not willing. I said, we'll just do a whole a Neary birthday show while watching the game. Right. And they, they, they said they had family plans. But happy birthday, buddy. By the way, speaking of, um, of the football on Sunday, I'm, uh, you know what? I'll tell you later. We've got to go to break. And we'll take some phone calls as well. Also, it's ESPN yeah. New York Superbox Bonanza 5. We're giving away over $10,000 in cash and prizes. All qualifiers will get a $25 Fanatics gift card and a chance at one of 10 Superboxes with prizes including a big screen TV, Nintendo Switch, MetaQuest, and much more. Get your box for the big game by listening to DPH1 Rothenberg from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., Barton Hahn from noon to 3, and the Michael K. Show from 3 to 6.30 for a chance to win $500 in the first and third quarters, $1,000 at halftime, and a final score payout of a $2,000. All brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Now, for full contest details, go to superboxbonanza.com, and we will give away that first box a little bit later on in the show. Your phone call's next, then we break down the big wild card games. It's Kayla Greca, Rosenberg, and you. But first, Don's going to tell you about BetMGM. Discover BetMGM, the sports betting app New Yorkers turn to for nonstop action. As an official sports betting partner of Madison Square Garden, the New York Knicks and the New York Rangers, BetMGM meets New Yorkers at the world's most famous arena with the same game parlays, exclusive signature bets, and much more all season long. And as an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and official sports betting partner of the NHL, BetMGM takes the show on the road for excitement every single night. Plus, as an official sports betting partner of the New York Jets, BetMGM makes every football game day the best it can be. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. BetMGM.com for T's and C's. Must be 21 plus to wager. New York and New Jersey only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, help is available in New Jersey. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hey, buddy. Hey. Catch the show on demand wherever you want. Just subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. 
to Football Friday with the Michael K Show, presented by Nissan and Bet365. All right, so Jordan Hicks, there were some rumors that the Yankees and the Mets might be interested in him coming out of the bullpen. One of two pitchers that averaged over 100 miles an hour with his pitches. Um, the Twins, Johans Duran, was, I think, at 103, and and um, Jordan Hicks was just over 100. So he signed a four-year, $44 million deal with the Giants, and they're turning him into a starter. It's kind of interesting. Uh, think about it. If you gave him $44 million for four years, that's a pretty cheap bullpen piece. So I'm surprised that some maybe he wants to start and other teams didn't think his arm could hold up, but we'll see. Uh, Gerard Mayo, the Patriots pivoted quickly. He is the new head coach of the uh, New England Patriots. Let's take uh, some phone calls. 1-800-919-3776. So let's go to Dan in New Jersey to start off. Dan. Hi, Michael. Don and Peter. How are you guys today? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm interested. I'm very intrigued by this Yankees Marcus Stroman signing because I think he's an ultra talented pitcher, and the way he was pitching to begin last year, I thought he was actually a trade candidate for the Yankees, and I think they were linked to him in that way. But I do want to wonder if he's the only thing, or are they going to get Hater? Are they going to pivot to another bat? What is the other thing that's coming? What the move that's coming from Brian Cashman? Because I don't think this team's a World Series winner. And I still think they need a little bit more to do. Well, I think they need another starter. Right now, Dan, and we thank you for the phone call, your number one pitcher is Cole. Number two, you hope, is Rodon. Number three is Stroman. Number four is Nestor Cortez. And number five um, is Clark Schmidt. Right. And it's not murderer's row. Especially the fact that Rodon and, and Nestor, total question marks. Coming off last year, Nestor with a shoulder, was that ever resolved other than rest? And then, you know, Rodon was out for the first half of the season. Then the last start where he turned his back on Matt Blake, that wasn't a good ending to the season. I still think there's something in there. I think he's a good pitcher. And if he returns to what he was the previous two years to last season, that's a great number two starter. So a lot rests on that. But But I think they still need another starter. And if not, they've got to pivot, maybe build up the bullpen even more. But is there any starter out there where if they signed him today, you'd go, okay, that's it, we're set? Snell. Snell that's, and Montgomery. That's it. And Montgomery's not coming here, and Snell's going to cost a fortune. Right. So I understand what the, what the caller's saying about, well, you know, we need to get over the top. I just don't know what's out there. I think that's why they were aggressive to get Stroman in the first place, because he ended up becoming the cheaper option, and there wasn't going to be, I think, any multitude of pitchers that they were going to go get. There wasn't a lot to choose from, and whatever was better than Stroman was going to be significantly more expensive. Teddy in the Bronx. Teddy, talk to us. What's going on, Michael? Mike, I got to call up to vent to you. Um, I do not like this move at all. I don't like this move. I think it's a terrible move. I don't know what Cashman in the front office is thinking. Stroman's a fraud. He's, he's a fraud. He's he not claims a fraud he's as from, a pitcher, you know, though, Ted. He's not a fraud as a pitcher. Not as a pitcher, but as a person. I mean, you can't claim you're from, like, oh, oh, he goes on Instagram. Oh, this is home. No, it's not home. You're from the sticks out on Long Island. You know, like, you're not Andrew Velasquez. Like, that's home to him. It's just not home to Marcus Stroman. I don't like this move. I think it's a disaster waiting to happen. And as a Yankee fan, a diehard Yankee fan, a, a true Yankee fan, I'm angry. And all these new generation Yankee fans are trying to make excuses for it. No, there's no excuse for this. This is unacceptable. I don't know what we're doing. It really is a disaster waiting to happen. That's what it is. Yeah, but you, but but but, but Teddy, you, you anymore? I Teddy, don't get him. Oh, well, okay, so you don't trust Cashman. We thank you for the call. You don't get it, but you do. <laughs> They're desperate for pitching. But that, but that's what he doesn't like, and but I understand what, that. All right, the, all right, the disaster. Well, I, I wish he was still on. Well, explain to me the disaster. I can explain. Right. Go ahead, I Peter. Well, what, what, what's the disaster? And by the way, to, to defend to defend the guy's point, I mean, Stroman is from currently. If you were to try to get to where Stroman was from, it would take you two and a half hours to get there. But um, the disaster is he comes in, he's an average pitcher. He's not. You don't get the best version of him. You get the the more mediocre version of him, which we have seen in in extended spots before. He absolutely melts down with the fans. Before you know it, all the conversations are about what he said. It's a complete distraction without good pitching, and it's un- and not and not to feed into the stereotype, Don, because I know it drives you crazy that the Yankees and Yankee fans think they're holier than thou. But let's just be real. 
it ends up feeling all very beneath the Yankees. And it just looks like a nasty mess by a desperate team who wanted to add someone who they previously didn't think was good enough, is now several years older and more expensive, and, and now he is good enough. But listen, any any free agent signing that doesn't work out on the field can be deemed a disaster. But he can pitch. And these distractions that he has created, there hasn't been any evidence that it's affected him on the mound. If anything, it seems to motivate him. Now, can you see the Yankees allowing this to become a disaster? That he's an uncontrollable player? That's going to well, be a disruption in the room. I mean, when does that ever happen with the Yankees? Well, the the Yankees have really one of the top guys that that handle media relations, Jason Zillow. Jason's going to earn his money. I mean, do you, I, I guess a team that has the right to tell a, a player not to have a beard, I guess they have a right, right to say, "I want you off social media." But they're going to have to watch it closely because he's really sensitive. And the first time he gets booed or has some kind of altercation in the clubhouse with one of the writers. But, Not good. But, but when has that ever happened with the Yankees? But 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 hold on. I, I'll respond to that, Don, with when has a move like this happened with the Yankees? That's what they're worried about. You're right. That stuff doesn't happen with the but, Yankees. But, but, but and Don, neither do desperate moves like this. Uh, Domingo Herman supposedly threw a couch last year before they finally said enough is enough. It happens. But it happens behind closed right. doors. But but, but 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 that's my point, Michael. I'm not saying that something isn't going to happen. But when has a player been uncontrollable where it allows it to be a disaster where it affects the team on the field? Come on. Now, there's been... Pro- well, then he really hurt the team. And he was suspended. Yeah, but that hurt the team. That was a disaster. They needed him as a pitcher. Well, they obviously... But, all right, but they, they he's still here. No, he's not. He's gone. Well, but but but, but you're talking about... Um, what, you say Domingo Herman? Domingo Herman. He's gone. But but did it? how did it bring the team down? You're going to say that would, it's a disaster. Did you see who they ran out there as, as starters in the second half? Of, the, of course they needed him. It was a disaster. But, but, but it... I guess what he's saying about a disaster, like, is the, is his social media going to bring this team down? No. Well, it, it's uh, let, me, let me. Disaster is obviously a lofty word. Well, but I think what he's saying, Don, is poor play and loud distraction together would equal disaster. He doesn't but, mean it would literally end the season. But uh, Michael, don't you think that's a fair way of putting it? That would be a disastrous but, conclusion. You sign a guy to eighteen and a half million dollars a year. He doesn't play well, and it becomes a huge loud distraction. Yeah, because he has to be. He has to make about twenty eight starts. If he doesn't, right. that that's really tough. But, there, but I don't think there's been an example, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on social media or call up that where he has taken that to the field and he's been a disaster on the field. No, but I, no. I mean, there are times that he'll. Usually, a lot of his stuff happens when he feels he's being disrespected by the team he was on, or or he gets released and he goes scorched earth. But during the course of the season, has he ever done anything that has been a distraction to him or the team he played for? Not yeah, that I know. If the of, Yankees gonna... ever release him, get ready. He'll kill you. All right, I, and and if fans go after him, he'll go after you. But he's going to go out there and he's going to pitch his six or seven innings and he's going to do well. And I don't think the Yankees will ever let it be something where it's going to bring them down to where they're going to pull him off the field or trade him devalued or cut him because of this. They won't allow that to happen. Most of the stuff that he's really gone scorched earth is during the offseason or after he's felt that he was disrespected by the fan base or the team that he was on. Well, but during I mean, the season, has there been anything but that would be categorized as a disaster? But, but Don, you're kind of familiar with this fan base. They're upset when they lose in the ALCS. You're kind of familiar with them, right? I, you no, think I'm it's very be a familiar soft landing? with them. I'm very familiar well, with them. You think it'll be, they'll give this guy a soft landing after the stuff he said about them on social media? He's blocked half a Yankee nation. Right, so those are people that won't be able to get through to him now. And I, and I don't think the Yankees will let it escalate to where it's going to be a major problem. So, so, so has there been any, any examples? And listen, he paid for no, the match. No, there has not been examples, Don. Where, the, where the fans went after him in real time and it affected his play. Who knows what affects somebody's play? The second half of the season was abysmal for him with the Cubs. He stopped, he stopped being on social media. He stopped tweeting in July. He didn't want to hear it, obviously. He was terrible in the second half of the season and injured. But then when he right. came back, he was awful. Well, but that's another thing. But I don't know if that – but you said he shut down social media. So it probably didn't have anything to do with that. And Cub fans don't get on you the way Yankee fans will get on you. He just had a bad close to the season. That probably cost him as much money as his social media stuff. But but to that listener who says that this is going to be a disaster, I don't – disaster just seems way too strong for me. They Football. won't let that happen. 
Football Fridays on 9870 ESPN are brought to you by Nissan. You deserve a car that thrills you. Nissan's got an exciting full line that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill yourself. Shop your local Nissan store, Nissan.com today. Also, it's the ESPN New York Superbox Bonanza 5. This year, every qualifier will take home a $25 Fanatics gift card and have a chance at one of 10 Superboxes with prizes including a big screen TV, Nintendo Switch, MetaQuest, and much more. Be caller number 55 right now at 888-987-ESPN to select a box for the big game with a chance to win $500 in the first and third quarters, $1,000 at halftime, and a final score payout of $2,000. All brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Coming up is um, Joe Fortenbaum to help us with our picks this week. To score a touchdown, everything needs to line up perfectly. No different than finding the person you want to marry. When the time comes to propose, do what I did. Visit the engagement experts at London Jewelers. They'll make shopping for a ring easy. Let them help you pick or design the perfect ring to fit any budget from their 2 by London collection. London Jewelers is committed to getting it just right. So visit London Jewelers today. Any of their seven locations, including the newest location at the mall at Short Hills. Mention that I told you to stop by and you'll get the Michael K. treatment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thanks for listening to the Michael K Show podcast. Well, that's awesome. Looking for more access to the show? That's right, man. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TMKS ESPN. So Alabama has a new head coach. It's Washington head coach, Kalen DeBoer. This is after a couple of people that they reportedly were interested in said no thanks. So Kalen DeBoer, who had Washington in the uh, finals against Michigan, now jumps Washington and goes to Alabama. And when you see stuff like that, everybody, don't jump on kids when they go into the transfer portal. If this, I've always said this. If coaches don't have to sit out a year, neither should kids. Neither should kids. Joe Fortenbaugh, our good buddy, joins us now and um he's in vegas so he's in the uh the epicenter of gambling how you doing my friend gentlemen i'm doing well it's always a pleasure to be on with you thanks so much for the opportunity to speak with the great audience of new york well and for your opportunity to speak with a great prognosticator like me because man i've been crushing you this year what do you got going on what do you got i'm uh i'm I'm 10 over 500 uh against the spread for the year feeling pretty good about that that's pretty good you know what hey listen um and this by the way, your, your numbers were up there up to like up till three weeks ago. You were around the same. Appreciate you bringing that up. <laughs> As I was about to sit here and talk about how great of a job you were doing, I think I'll just go ahead and let that lie. There you go. Not a good guy. Now, listen, in this racket, especially when it comes to the NFL, these are really tough numbers to beat. All right? There's a reason why pros focus on things like WNBA. They focus on obscure conference college basketball. They're focusing on markets where they have opportunities mm-hmm. to exploit bad numbers. There aren't a whole lot of bad numbers that exist for a long time in the NFL. And you guys are picking late in the week, so you're not getting the best of it like a lot of these guys are early in the week. So if you're picking like that, Peter, you're doing a hell of a job, man, because this is a really difficult racket to beat long term. Well, I appreciate that. And don't worry. I didn't have the guts to put any money on any of these picks, so it's good for nothing. But, <laughs> there you go. Um, Joe with us this- was 31-27-2. and two. In the NFL. Yeah. He had a great, great college football season. Yeah, your, football, your college numbers were, were awesome. We don't pick right. the college games because we, we don't know the game well enough. But uh, looking at these numbers this weekend, Joe, I was just saying with two insane weather games, how, how do you look at those games? The obvious thing is like, oh, we'll pound the under. But it always seems like in one of those games it ends up going way over. So how do you look at the bad weather games this weekend to start? So it's like what type of bad weather, right? Wind is the weather you always want to look for. The high winds kill the passing game. And I'm sure you guys have talked about that before. That's no secret. But, I mean, it, when it, we talk about snow and we talk about rain, sometimes you can have rain where the defenders are going to be slipping. Like the, the offensive player knows where he's running, so he understands where to put his feet. The defender has to react to the offensive player, and a lot of times they can slip and fall. So 
it, you want to handicap it on a case-by-case basis. Obviously, this has all been cooked in now because we've been talking about weather all week. You've seen the Buffalo number drop from 42 down to like 33. I think the angle there is you say to yourself, all right, this is supposed to be a really low-scoring game, and I'm getting 10 points with the dog? 10 points with a Pittsburgh Steeler team in a low-scoring game? I mean, look, you're going to have to hold your nose through some of it, but the Bills have not been great offensively going back to their bye week. They came off the bye. They run the ball a lot more now. All right, Josh Allen's throwing for 50 fewer yards per game since then. Mm-hmm. The turnovers, all that stuff. I think if you're Pittsburgh, you want to run the ball and you want to keep Allen on the sideline. So having the 9 and it's, – it's dropped to 9.5 at a lot of shops. Having the 10 in your pocket looks valuable. In the KC game, that's an underplay for me. Miami's offense – against teams with a winning record, 17 points per game. They're scoring like 37 points per game against everybody else. They're all banged up, cold weather. I don't think they're going to perform well. Chiefs don't have any explosive plays on offense outside of Kelsey. Receivers dropping the ball left and right. That's an under I like as well. All right, so give us your picks. All right, so let's start with Houston. Some of the market still has two and a half. I would play that. Um, It comes down to this. Three weeks ago, Cleveland was in Houston, and they were laying three points, but they were going against Davis Mills. So now they're back three weeks later. They're all banged up on defense. C.J. Stroud starting. It's two and a half. C.J. Stroud's worth a half point to the spread? I don't see that. I see value there. Remember, Cleveland's defense at home, they're giving up like 10 points per game. Cleveland's defense on the road, they're giving up 29 points per game. You can score on them. I'll take the two and a half with Houston. I love um, it. I would look to the Rams in the night game in no particular order on Sunday. Give me the three with L.A. It comes down to rest here. I, I don't. Dan Campbell strikes me as a guy who has a toolbox with one tool in it. It's a hammer. So everything he sees is a nail. He's just smashing everything, right? Mm-hmm. Aggressive, all gas, no brakes, all that stuff. There's got to be nuance, man. Like, Three weeks ago, you're in a shootout with Minnesota. The following week, you're in this grind against Dallas that comes down to the wire. And then the next week, when you had less than a 10% chance of getting the two seed, you play all your starters, and you go out there and and you go, you know what, to the wall against Minnesota. You lose Sam Laporta in the game, for crying out loud. And Oh, and guess what? You don't get the two seed. Congratulations. Meanwhile, here's the Rams resting up. Like, that's smart. That's what a veteran coach does, knowing the situation at hand. Campbell's going too aggressive. I don't know how much is left in the tank. I'll take the Rams plus the three. And then another one, Dallas in the first half over Green Bay. I'd lay the four. I think the Cowboys jump all over them in this game. Green Bay's young. They're inexperienced. Uh, They're 21st in the NFL in first half scoring. They're on the road. Dallas is number one in the NFL in first half scoring. They score 22 points per game at home in the first half. We talk about McCarthy in the playoffs, not in these games. They went to Tampa last year and they rolled them. I wouldn't be surprised if they rolled Green Bay here in a matchup where the Packers, look, I know people look at the last couple weeks and they say, hey, look at Green Bay. Well, yeah, look at the Monday night game in New York against DeVito. How'd that game go? They're they're a young team that had a good season, but they're also capable of some big-time stinkers. Uh, Obviously, motivation isn't a factor once you get to the playoffs. Like We had to create that down the stretch for teams that didn't have anything to play for. Does playing for your coach mean anything? Because I, I think Sirianni could lose his job if the Eagles lose. I clearly could see McCarthy out of a job if Dallas were to lose. Does that play at all when you're calculating these games? I'd throw McDermott and Bowles in there as well. Yeah, I you're think right. there's a surprise coming. I, I, I think there's a Schefter's been hinting at it nonstop, like that there's something going on that one of these playoff teams, and we all look at Dallas. Look, if McCarthy can win two games, which he should do, he's going to be at home for the first two games. What's he going to do? Get Detroit next week? Like, you can't win that game. You should win two games. And if you lose at San Francisco, all right, so be it. If you come back, no big deal. Um, but you look around, if, if the Steelers upset the Bills, I'd wonder about McDermott, considering how the season went. Uh, Todd Bowles in Tampa, um, it's, you won that division by default. It's not like you went out there and won 12 games. So I wouldn't be surprised if that job opens up if they lose to Philly. And then there's the Sirianni question. Something's wrong in Philly, boys. Like, something's wrong. There's one thing when you lose a couple games late in the season because maybe the refs job John a penalty or you turn the ball over later, you missed a field goal. Eagles aren't even competing right now. And every time Sirianni talks, he's out here like, well, we're fighters. We're not going to give up. 
You gave up against the Giants. You had no point rolling over in that game. And I'm not talking about when they yanked the starters out after they started getting hurt and the Giants were already putting it on them. Giants were putting it on them early. That was a game where they should have said, look, we're not going to get the two seed. We're not going to win the division. Dallas is going to beat Washington. But we are going to come out and we're going to go ahead and we're going to try to get right. Like, this is where we need to get right. We need to get some mojo going into the playoffs. And they just rolled over and died. We've been making excuses for that team for six weeks. Uh, Oh, it's a tough schedule spot against the Niners. Tough schedule spot against Dallas. Oh, Jalen Hurts is sick, and it's a tough road game at Seattle. Oh, you know, the Giants, they beat them, but, you know, they let them right back in that game. Oh, Arizona comes back. It's like every week they've had an excuse. At some point, you got to go out and got to play football. And you know what? Something's wrong behind the scenes. That's what it looks like. So I'd be playing Tampa. I'd play Tampa on the money line as well. Joe, your Eagles fandom was showing right there. Wow. Well, I mean, you know what? And you guys know this. Right? Like, this is a disgrace. It's an embarrassment. Like, I'm no one's asking you to go win the Super Bowl. I didn't come into this season saying you got to win the Super Bowl. I knew as well as anybody last year that was a bit of a fugazi. You had the easiest schedule in the NFL. You were one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. You played nobody in the playoffs. No disrespect to the Giants, but all Giants fans know that that team was a little bit above expectation last year. And it was a tough spot, Philly off the bye. So that's not a tough game. And then you get the banged up Niners in the NFC Championship. You played one tough game and you rolled over and died in the second half. You couldn't get a stop. 24 points on four possessions. So they come back this year. You knew it would be tougher. I just didn't think they quit. Like The problem with them is they're soft. And people in New York know this. People in Boston know this. Northeast fans know this. You, you don't root for soft, right? We've all gone through it with our teams where it's been a rebuild or we've had tough seasons. Soft is unacceptable. All right, is there a line, since you're out there in Vegas, on where Belichick ends up? You can't find that in Vegas. It's mostly offshore books that put that up. The favorites, I, I, don't, I, I didn't check it today, but the two favorites were the Chargers and the Falcons. You know Atlanta's going to make a big push to get them. All the reports are that Arthur Blank wants to get involved. I know there's no quarterback there, but you got a lot of good offensive weapons. You got a top 10 draft pick. You got a soft division. It's a nice little landing spot there in Atlanta if you'd want to go there. Chargers are intriguing because, as I've long said, the Chargers are an unserious franchise. Nobody takes them serious. They're a laughing stock. When they play football games, everyone says the same thing. Up, oh, here we go. Chargers going to Charger. Like, you know how embarrassing that is? You got to go hire someone that's going to come in and make you credible. They're going to make you respectable. Like, build a culture there. Belichick's a good hire. I think Pete Carroll would be a nice fit there as well. The Southern California ties. Seems like he wants to keep coaching. And I wouldn't be surprised if they got involved in Harbaugh, too. So, those would I, I would install Atlanta as the favorite. But I think the book, uh, the offshore books, have it as the Chargers as the favorite. Good stuff. Have a great weekend in Vegas. Always a pleasure, boys. Love you all. Thanks to everyone for listening. Best of luck out there. Have a good weekend, buddy. That is Joe Fortenbaugh, ESPN Sports betting analyst and host with Chris Carlin on the national side of Radium. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hear more of Michael, Don, and Peter live weekday afternoon starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker. Hey, Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.